be jumping into John chapter 10 this morning. Uh, most of you are probably aware of what John chapter 10 has to do with. Uh, it's uh, one of these, uh, the main focus is one of these I am statements of Jesus. He's already said that uh, he is the light of the world, and uh, now he says that he is the good shepherd. So we're going to read through uh, the first uh, 21 verses of chapter 10. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens the sheep hears voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought uh, out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door, and if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not uh, own the sheep, sees uh, the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this soul. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who was oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Jesus, as we said before, has already said that, uh, that he's the light of the world. He also said that he... Uh, is the bread of life all the way back in John chapter 6. So we come upon two more of these I am statements of Jesus that we find unique, really, to the gospel according uh, to John. And here we have two more. I am the door and I am the good shepherd. I just want to keep things in context, and we need to remember that Jesus is again addressing the Pharisees who had been present during the discussion concerning the man who had been healed, who had been born blind. 
Jesus in this particular chapter is making a very clear contrast between himself and these other supposed leaders of Israel. In other words, what he's saying here is the Pharisees are those who have climbed into the sheepfold by another way. They are those who claim authority in Israel when they actually have none. As we said before, I think last week, if you look, there is absolutely no scriptural basis for an organization like the Pharisees at all in Scripture. But at this point in the history of Israel, they were the spokesmen, in essence, of the moral and religious uh, places for everyone in the country. They were... They should have been very much respected, and maybe to some degree they were, and certainly some of them were. Uh, But at the same time, they were people that were very much feared uh, and that sort of thing by the average person in the community. In essence, they are the ones who claim to be the shepherds of Israel, but they are false shepherds. They are not shepherds of Israel at all. Jesus came for a lot of reasons, but one of those was to deliver his people from these false shepherds. The Pharisees taught that uh, strict adherence to their interpretation of the law was the means by which the Jews entered into God's sheepfold and the means by which they remained there. But again, as we have said before, they really had no binding moral or religious authority over Israel. They, they, They had none at all. And there's a sense in which, I don't know if you picked up on this, but they were usurping, to some degree, one of the responsibilities of the priesthood. I mean, the priests were supposed to be the religious speakers and, and that sort of thing in, uh, in the culture, but they have taken a back seat at this point and, in essence, allowed these Pharisees to step in front of them, and I would imagine that the average priest was very much afraid of what, uh, what the Pharisees were possibly able to do to them because of the power that they had among the people. So we just need to understand something from the very get-go. Jesus is making distinction here between those who are truly called to be shepherds and those who are not, and he's making it subtly clear that the ones he's talking about who are not are these guys called the Pharisees. No biblical basis for their existence at all. No power and authority granted to them by God in any stretch of the imagination. Just men claiming to have authority and claiming to have power and people very willing to allow them to do that. The sheepfold in general... would be considered to be, in essence, Israel. God being their shepherd. Jesus says, I am the door. 
Now, we know that doors do two things. They keep some things in, but they also keep things out. Here you have the Pharisees claiming, in essence, to have the key to the door or the knob to the door to let people uh, into the kingdom. So in other words, they believe and they teach that their understanding and application of the law is actually the door that lets people into the kingdom of God. It's also the door that allows them to stay within the kingdom of God. They believe that the law, in essence, was the door. And that they were the doorkeepers. In reality, is that they were predators in God's sheepfolds. I don't know about you, but I don't know a whole lot about sheep. I'm not sure. I know that I've seen a sheep or two in person. <laughs> at the zoo or somewhere else, maybe at the kids' zoo or something like that. But I've had very little interaction with sheep. Sheep, I don't think, are of that much importance for most of the world today, you know, especially since uh, we've come up with all these synthetic fabrics and people are not so dependent upon the wool and, uh, and, and that sort of thing as, uh, uh, as they once were. But we need to understand that sheep are very much a part of Jewish culture. You find that all the way back in the history of the Old Testament. I mean, how many of the founding fathers of our faith were shepherds? Abraham was a shepherd. David was a shepherd. Isaac and Jacob were shepherds. Reality is that the, the uh, Pharisees were predators in God's sheepfolds. They determined who got in, and they determined who were cast out. Now, sheepfolds do a couple of important things. One of the most prominent ones is this, is they keep the sheep in. Now, there are times when you don't want the sheep in, right? When the sheep are grazing. I mean, the typical thing in those days was that most shepherds didn't have their own sheepfold, which is like a sheep corral. But very often you found in the villages that there would be common sheepfolds where all of the shepherds would bring their sheep and they would release them into the sheepfold during the night because I don't know that much about sheep but I've heard this over and over again and I think there's lots of evidence to attest to that the sheep are prone to wander especially when they're grazing that you know when they're they're off grazing they're just looking for grass and they're not really paying attention to what's going on around them uh, which makes them very liable to and open to be uh, fed upon by prey and uh, and that sort of thing so at nighttime, the shepherds would gather their sheep and they would put them in this common sheepfold. And then early in the morning before they, uh, the time of grazing would come, they would go to the sheepfold. And they say that each one of these shepherds knew their, their sheep so well and their, and their sheep knew them that they could just begin to speak to them and all of their sheep would gather to them. And when they walked out of the, the sheepfold, that all of their sheep would be in, with them. 
And they would go out and they would graze them through the day and keep a watchful eye on them during the daytime, but then bring them back to the sheepfold at night. See, the Pharisees were predators that had entered into God's sheepfold. Jesus is the door to the sheepfold of God. There's only one entrance into God's sheepfold, and that is through Jesus. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through him. He's not only the door or the sheepfold, he's also the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. As we said before, David was a shepherd. I don't know if we mentioned David, but David was a shepherd, right? He was a shepherd boy. And remember the, the story when he was called to Saul, when he went to visit his brothers at the battle with the Philistines. And, call, and David said that he would go out against the Philistine, and they brought him to Saul, and this is what he said to them. He said, your servant used to keep sheep, and when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and stroke, struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if it arose against me, I caught him by the beard and struck him and killed him. Can you imagine David killed bears and lions to protect his sheep? And we understand that that is one of the roles that Jesus plays on our behalf. He is our great protector. And one of the principal things he protects us from is the wrath of God that is due us because of the sin within. Again, sheep are prone to wander. Not so much a problem during the daytime when the shepherd can see them and attend to them Take notice when they're wandering off and bring them back. But at night, things are different. Thus, the sheepfold, its whole purpose, well, two purposes. One is to keep things out, keep the predators out, but the other thing is to keep the sheep in so the sheep don't wander off. So how do you feel about being likened to a sheep? <laughs> the Bible describes you as being like a sheep. 
I love a lot of the old hymns. Come thou fount of every blessing. Verse 3, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Does that describe you at all? Do you have that propensity to drift away, to wander off? I do. And it's comforting to know that we are here today for one reason. Is that because God always brings us back? If that were not true, we would have been gone a long time ago. We would have wandered to places we never thought that we would possibly go. You and I, like sheep, desperately need a shepherd. One who watches over us, one who protects us, one who calls us back home when we began to wander off. But our good shepherd, our great shepherd, is different than other shepherds. It's amazing to me that David would, would, would endanger his own life. Can you imagine battling with a lion or a bear? That's my, beyond my, my scope of comprehension to ever do anything like that. But David actually did it, and he triumphed over bears and lions for the whole purpose of protecting the sheep that were under his care. But I would imagine that it was a rare thing that a man would actually die protecting his or her sheep. It probably happened on occasion, but probably not all that often. But one of the most unique things about Jesus being the shepherd is he came for the purpose of laying down his life for the sheep. It was part of the picture. It was an increment. Part of the picture, whatever that word is. I can't think of it. When he came, he knew that it was going to end in his death. His horrible death, by the way. To die for a sheep was a certainty from the very beginning. To die for those who were predestined to be saved by him. Through him. From themselves. Paul writes this in Romans 5 verses 6 through 8. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So what does all this have to do with us? Well, we know it has to do with the path of salvation that we are on. But I would challenge us with the idea this morning, too, that, uh, that every one of us is called to be an under-shepherd to the great shepherd.
You might say, well, men like Keith, who's a pastor more than other people. And there is ground for that. And you need to understand that that's one of my principal pro uh, responsibilities here is to be about shepherding everyone here as much as I possibly can. But at the same time, we know that that is an insurmountable task for anybody and everybody. That ultimately, the best that any of us can do is to, to recognize that we are representatives of the one and true and great shepherd. And I just want to challenge all of us with the idea this morning that it's not just a responsibility of pastors. It's also a responsibility of every believer to be involved in the shepherding of other people. Sometimes it's younger people. Sometimes it's people our age. Sometimes it's older people. There are people in this room that, in a sense, have shepherded me. And let me tell you something. These things are even more special and precious when we all have very special times of great needs. When our neediness as sheep becomes very, very prominent. I just want to say to you that you have actually shepherded me and you've shepherded Lori and we are very thankful for it. In verse 16, Jesus says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them in also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. The sheep fold's not full. There's still sheep out there that are being gathered into the flock of Christ. And God gives us a very great privilege, responsibility, yes, but also a privilege in being a part of doing that. For the last 2,000 years and before that, Jesus has been gathering his flock. He's been gathering them from among every tribe and every nation. He knows them by name. He is, he's, as we've said in, in more recent weeks, that you know, encounters that Jesus has with people recorded in the Bible are not just happenstance. They are divine appointments that were made at the very beginning of time. People that Christ would come to specifically. And Scripture is very clear that, that, that the name of everyone that... Uh, will in the end be saved, that their name was written in the Lamb's book of life at the very beginning of time, not at the time that they professed faith, that God, God knew that, that they would come to salvation because he knew that he would bring them to the point of salvation, every single one of them. And we have this assurance that he will not lose a single one. He hasn't lost any yet, nor will he lose any. Not one. Sometimes you hear theologians talk about the church visible as opposed, uh, as opposed to the church invisible. The church visible is as we see it, as the world sees it. The church invisible is as God sees it, knowing 
who really do believe who are part of the visible church. He knows who are the tares among the wheat. In other words, there are unbelievers within a body. We can fool people some of the time, but we can fool God never, ever, ever. Like every Christian, we all need a system of accountability. That is true for every one of us because we are all prone to wander away. How many times within the last week or two have you thought for a moment, you know what, I'm getting way off track here. We know what it means to be prone to wander. It's true for all of us. To let the things of the world get our attention. The worries and the harms and the difficulties and, and that sort of thing. But God is very great and God is wise and he joins us together with other believers in churches. We need to understand that the church itself is one of the greatest blessings that Jesus has ever given to us. And that means this is we never, ever should ever have the idea that we are alone, that we are part of the sheepfold. And the other sheep know us and the other sheep love us and we work together for the, the benefit of each other. Every Christian needs a system of accountability. That is one of the reasons that God puts us together in these things that we call churches. That by being a member of Springs Presbyterian Church, we are saying to the other people that we need a system of accountability and you are part of that system. Because I know that I am prone to wander. I need other people to help keep me on track. I need other people to help get me back on track. We are dependent upon one another just as sheep in the sheepfold were dependent upon each other. That is one of the values of being a member of the church. Some people may look upon it as a hindrance. Something, some people may look upon accountability as something that I would rather not have. But it's a, not a matter of wanting or whatever. It is a matter of needing. We are needy people, and we need to be honest and upfront about that. And one of the things that we need is each other. There are times when you have been a very great encouragement to me. I hope there are times when I've been an encouragement to you.
And just like we need accountability as individual believers, Springs Presbyterian Church also needs to have accountability that goes beyond our doors. It's confusing sometimes when you look out upon the world today and you see so many different denominations and, you know, more and more popular. You're getting these community churches that have no uh, denominational affiliation at all, and they're very proud of it. But it's kind of a, a denial of the connectedness of churches that you find in the New Testament all over the place. We need that level of accountability. And let me just tell you this. The PCA is not a perfect denomination. There's a couple of things that I grossly disagree with the PCA on. At the same time, I know it's a denomination that is first and foremost committed to God and second only to that with the idea that the scripture is God's word. God speaking to us. Some people say, why do we need denominations? I would say, if for no other reason, they help to keep us accountable. No denomination, then we're free to go and roam and wander to wherever our little heart desires. PCA is not perfect. But I'll tell you one thing. You, I see it over and over again, and you know, it's very obvious that Presbyterian General Assembly is we are a denomination that's committed to the Word of God. Period. We don't compromise on that at all. Even in places that says things that kind of grate on the human spirit. I love being a, a part of the PCA. And let me just tell you this. If we had a congregational meeting tomorrow and you voted to leave the PCA, you would lose your pastor. Because I need that accountability. We need to be answerable to other people. We need those other churches to help keep us on track. Because churches are full of sinners who are prone to wander, that means that churches themselves are also prone to wander. Which means they can wander a very long way. And I would say to you this morning that there's some churches, some of the denominational churches and independent churches that as far as I'm concerned are not even Christian anymore. They've wandered so far because they thought they didn't need accountability with anybody else. How many Religions, false religions, have been created now by supposedly Christian people wandering. People tend to drift. 
Therefore, churches tend to drift. And if they drift far enough, they become apostate. I mean, we're members of the PCA strictly on a voluntary basis. We're here because we choose to be here. And part of that choice has to do with the fact that we want accountability. One of the nice things about the PCA is this, is we are members simply because we choose to be. You and I, we can hold a congregational meeting and vote to leave the PCA at any time, and there's no consequences for the church here at all. We don't lose anything. Except our affiliation with a body that helps hold us accountable. I'm telling you right now that if, 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 if you guys decided, and it's up to you, it's not up to me, to leave the PCA today, you would lose me. And me. Hallelujah. We need it. Denominations are not perfect. There's not a perfect denomination on the face of the planet. And there's some of them that if, we were, if, if you decided you want to leave the PCA and become a member of a particular denomination, there's no way on God's green earth I would be a part of it. But you look out in the, in, in the panorama today of the church and the world, and what do you see? You see wandering, wandering, wandering. And unchecked, it leads churches to places they never thought that they would go. One of our professors when I was in seminary, Richard Pratt, used to tell us this all the time. He said, uh, be careful not to step out on the slippery slope. In other words, don't start giving ground on doctrine. Because once you do that, you'll find yourself in places you never thought you would go. Don't give up. Don't give in. We look at this panorama of the church out in the world today, and let me tell you, there's been a lot of slipping and sliding. So one might look at the PCA as a sheepfold. One that churches are members of. Now I'll share this with you. One of the things that we had to deal with the other day in Presbytery was somewhat discouraging. It's a rare thing. But we actually had one of the churches in our presbytery vote to leave the PCA. 
And so now they are pridefully independent to do things their way. No accountability to anybody. So what do you think? I mean, the church is imperfect. There's no doubt about it. And the the PCA is an imperfect denomination, and sometimes we make bad decisions. That's just a reality in which we live in. But the benefits that we get by being a member of a larger body outweigh anything that we might think is a benefit outside of that. We need it. We desperately need it. And there's no telling where that church is going to wind up. Sad. It really is. And some of the stuff that we've heard has already been going on in that church would make some of you cringe. But even in the face of all of that, Jesus is the door. Jesus is the good shepherd. He's been gathering his sheep from the very beginning of time. Ever since the Garden of Eden, it didn't start when he was born into the world. He's been gathering his sheep all the way through the generations into the sheepfold, which is the church, the church visible as God sees it. And he will bring it to absolute perfection. Hasn't happened yet. But one of these days, we have the promise that he will, that the church will be made absolutely perfect. And the glory of God will be shown through it in a ways that it never has up to that point. Be encouraged. Not because you have a hold of God, but because God has a hold of you. Because if you were the one who had a hold of him and it was, your relationship with him was dependent upon how well you can hold on to him, you would have drifted away a long time ago. You would have wandered off. But be encouraged that you are where you are because he has his hand on you and he will not let you go. And he will not let Springs Presbyterian Church go. Because you are Presbyterian Springs Presbyterian Church. He loves you. He gave his life for you. And for this body. That is where our confidence lies. And that is the only place in which we can have confidence.
Trust in Him wholeheartedly. Yield everything to His wisdom and His guidance and His leading. You won't regret it. You will be blessed by it.